Hello and welcome back to How To PhD episode number 19. In this episode, we're going to be talking about everything to do with peer review. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Julia. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about a process which is quite important in academia and that's peer review, right? And you may have heard other people mention this term um, and you might be wondering essentially what it is and, and how you can get involved. And essentially what peer review is, is where other people in your field um, look at your work, they read your work, review it, um, and then basically give you feedback on where it can improve. And, and this process is used by journals and conferences um, really to assess the quality of your work. And of course, you can be on the other side of that and, and be a reviewer, right? As a PhD student, you have that capability to do that. Um, and so peer review, that's essentially what it is. It's you um, or someone else giving feedback on your work and then you improve it and you know make the changes and end up with a piece of work that's essentially better. Um, now, Julia, there are different types of peer review, right? So we've already mentioned that you have, of course, the reviewer and the, and the person submitting. Um, and so there are different ways in which those kind of identities are kind of anonymized or not anonymized, right? Yeah, and there maybe are two terms to introduce because um, you might be hearing them in your department and wonder what it is. So there's single blind peer review and that means that the name of the reviewer is hidden from the author. Um, and then there's also double blind peer review, so where neither the reviewer or the author um, know each other's names. So they are anonymous to each other. Yeah, and you can certainly see that if you don't know at all where that work has come from, then you can begin to see that there's a kind of benefit to that, right? Because you might not, you might see a very prestigious university name and sort of think, oh, okay, this must be a very, very good piece of work. Um, and so the idea of that is that you completely anonymize that and, and you don't have that kind of influence. Um, so it's worth right at the top of the show sort of knowing what these kind of weird terms like single blind and double blind mean. Uh, so we thought it's worth mentioning that right at the top. So there are a lot of things that can be said about peer review and I'm sure if you go on Twitter you can see very many people complaining. Um, there are pros and cons to the whole process but really in this episode what we're going to be doing is really focusing on why you might want to get involved in peer reviewing yourself uh, as, a, as a PhD student, um, how you can get involved if you're interested in doing it uh, and what you need to do when you are peer reviewing. So let's start off with the first point which is actually getting involved in the process in the first place. So the first point in this episode is how do you actually get involved in peer review? So Julia, um, firstly, why should someone consider or why should our listeners consider taking part in this process? Well, I think it just helps you to keep up to date and to see what's out there, what people are researching and you can contribute to um, your area of expertise. So you can see the latest research and yeah, it's just useful to know what's being done and, and um, what kind of methods other people used. And um, 
So that can be very valuable for you, I think, to stay up to date. Yeah, and I think the important thing with all of this is that um, you might not feel that, you know, perhaps in your first year or second year that you have the experience to review other work. Um, but I think in many cases, you, you almost definitely do, right? And I think within the first couple of months, just being aware of methods and, and kind of the latest research in your field, which is probably what you do in your first year, um, you're definitely going to be there with the knowledge to be able to review other people's work but of course you know don't don't ever um don't ever say that you're an expert in something that you kind of feel uncomfortable with uh, but certainly if you're in a phd you're you're in the top percentile of people in that field so don't ever discount yourself from doing peer review fairly early on in your phd because i think it's a really useful process uh, to get involved with early because you begin to i'd say if you can criticize or kind of look with a critical eye on other people's work then when you come to looking at your own work I think that can only be a good thing right yeah and I think what you said um, earlier so that you might be scared to peer review um, but actually I think that's a good sign because that shows you mm. care you are um, considering whether you can provide good feedback or not and I think that's a very important um, uh, to show that you you care about it and that you take it seriously um, and I think you can just be very upfront about like what you have expertise in and what you don't. So sometimes even journals, I think when you peer review, they ask, do you have expertise in the analysis or mm, not? Yeah. Um, but even if you don't, um, I think it's okay because you can comment on other parts of the paper, even if you don't know a specific statistical method or whatever. You can just then state that in your review, I can't comment on this specific analysis, whether it's correct or not, but I have certain comments on, on other areas. And I think I was really scared when I did my first peer review um, because yeah, you feel it's a big job mm -hmm. like to criticize someone else's work. So I asked my supervisor whether um, she could maybe read my first peer review to see whether I was doing it correctly. And um, yeah, I think just it will take a lot of time in the beginning and then you become a bit quicker as well over time. That's, that's absolutely true, you know, and again, yeah as you progress through your PhD journey, you'll definitely be able to pick up these things around contributions and methods much, much more quickly. Um, and of course, there are some kind of career-led reasons to peer review. Um, like, for example, you know, especially if it's a if it's if there's no blinding involved and the editors know who you are and and particularly other authors as well then mm -hmm. of course your name is getting out there right you're attributing your name to critical pieces yeah, of writing. Yeah, I think sometimes it's even um, in the journal, you, some some journals even publish the name of the peer reviewer if you want to as well. Yeah. So you can get credit there and you can put it on your CV as well, I guess, if you're reviewing for journals. That's right. And there are online services called, uh, I think the most used one is one called Publons, which again, we'll have a link in the show notes, um, which essentially lets you get credit or it, it essentially is like a LinkedIn before your peer review work, right? Um, so how should you get involved? Now, um, the key thing is with journals is that they are always looking for new reviewers, right? This is something that as part of the process, uh, there are always more papers than there are reviewers. So you almost definitely will be able to get involved if, you, if you're interested in doing it. Uh, and I think one of the easiest ways, I think, Julia, would be to do something like ask your supervisor. Yes, because right? they're often reviewers themselves or even editors of a journal. So um, that's one way that you can get involved or you can ask people at conference that, um, where you meet people um, 
and say, hey, I'm looking to improve my skills and I would like to do some peer reviews and I'm sure they will be very happy yeah. <laughs> to oh, get you on board. 100%. Or can ask um, journals directly, of course, as well. That's right. Yeah, I think that all those are completely valid and you know, don't be afraid to get in touch. And I think once you've done a review or two, you'll find that actually... Um, or even just submitted papers to a particular journal, mm -hmm. um, there will usually be a tick box that says that you'll be happy that you're happy to be contacted to do review in the future. Um, and of course, once you've done a review or two, you'll find that you'll get actual invitations sent to you asking, "Would you like to review this paper?" Um, and of course, all those things that we said before, you know, can be factored into your decision whether or not uh, you take it. Uh, so. I think we should now move on to actually how do you go about doing the peer review itself? So let's talk about actually doing the peer review now. So uh, Julia, you actually uh, had some uh, kind of formal training on peer reviewing, right? Yeah, so I did a summer school at work um, and that was about peer reviewing. And I think my key takeaway from that course was to criticize other people's work like you would like to be criticized um i think that's really important to mm. um always be polite and friendly and um to be very clear and just to get to the point that you think needs needs improving um there's no need i think to yeah be rude or um mm -hmm. and yeah you should always be respectful of other people's work so i think i consider myself as a friend of the author who tries to just make some um suggestions for improvement yeah I think that's that's exactly the way to look at it. Um, and so on a kind of practical sense, uh, essentially, that if you are wanting to do peer review and you have been selected and you've accepted the invite to do a peer review, um, effectively, there are usually two things that you need to complete. Um, and that's essentially the main part, which is the comments to the author, right, which is this feedback stuff that we're talking about. Um, and of course, there are sometimes a requirement to do a comments to the editor. So let's talk about the comments to the author. Now, usually the way you get their paper that, that you need to review is in a kind of PDF format. But again, it depends on the journal, whether you receive Word or in some fields, you might get a latex document. Um, and you'll need to use whatever online platform the journal uses, right? So it's not, it's usually fairly well laid out in terms of what you need to fill out and where. Um, again, this is all from our experiences. There might be journals which are a little bit uh, more relaxed in terms of which platforms they use, and they might just send it over email or something. Uh, but just pay attention to the one that your journal uh, or conference is using. Um, and of course, this can be, this kind of feedback system can be either formal or informal. Now, if it's formal, there will usually be some kind of um, various different boxes which you have to write into which will ask various different questions so if i look at um one of the uh, peer review um websites that i was using for one of my journals that i was peer reviewing for uh, one of the first questions they ask that they want a response from you is what are the contributions of this paper uh, and then they ask uh, what are some ways in which the paper could be improved and they give some examples and so uh, in this case it's quite structured the way I have to do my feedback uh, and I have to fill out these boxes. But in some cases, it might just be informal and you just kind of give them a Word document of all your uh, written notes. And in which case, there's good ways to structure that Word document, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, and on this point, it's really important that when you do these reviews uh, to first, even if, so let's say there is this online platform, don't ever 
fill it straight into the online platform. Write it in a note or a, a Word document first, write it offline. Um, websites like these can time out and, and you can just lose all your work and it's, it's really not worth it. So just copy the questions from the website into a Word document um, and do it offline. And of course, make a note of the due date, right? It's a very, very simple thing, um, but often you can accept something. You might see that, oh, it's only due by the end of next month and you kind of think okay mm. I'll, i've got a couple of weeks to deal with it and then the next thing you know that the due date is snuck up on you so very simple thing to make a note of uh, and then of course there is this second part which is the confidential uh, comments to the editors um, now again julia i think in your experience this is not has this been the case with every journal that you've um, i think so yeah done? i think i've seen that in most journals um that i've been doing peer reviews for and i think it's just a space to mention anything else that you um think it's important sharing with the editor so it doesn't go directly to the author so things for example like um if you have concerns whether ethical guidelines um were being mm -hmm. followed in, in someone's work or not i think that's something to highlight i think i had one case where i just said i'm not sure from from my experience i think this paper i think they would have needed um ethical approval and i cannot see that um so it said it to both actually the author of course but also i highlighted the to the editor again and in the end they did have ethical approval that just forgot to put it in mm -hmm. so it's fine yeah. but i think yeah these things are um, things you can raise with the editor or and if you have any competing interests and again i would personally if um, i'm concerned i'm not an expert in the analysis i would just maybe mention that there um, as well so that they have a fair um, assessment of who has been reviewing the work yeah um, yeah that's right and i think that that point you said about uh, kind of being upfront about whether you have the expertise. Um, I think that's just a case of being just kind of being honest about what you can mm. and can't review, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's good to remember that um, just because you're being asked to peer review doesn't mean that you have to fish for like something that is wrong mm. there. If it's generally a very good paper, then you don't have to have many comments um, just for the sake of having comments. So, um, yeah, just... Um, have a look what you think is really important so i'd like to separate um, between um, points that are like suggestions and some things that i think must be addressed or yeah mm. in any way that's right yeah um and i guess there are some kind of you know when when you're beginning this process some checklists and things that you can use right to kind of guide whether you're whether the paper you're reviewing is hitting all the kind of key things. Yes, and I think um, we can share um, also a link to a website, which I find quite useful. It's called from it's from the Equator Network, and they just have a list of toolkits and like an overview of all different checklists that um, for different study types. So you can use them to um, check whether um, everything is addressed in the paper from from the checklist. So I find that quite quite useful. Great. Yeah. So, so plenty of stuff. So hopefully this has given you like a good overview of what the kind of practical setup of peer reviewing is. Uh, next is kind of actually doing the reading itself, right? At some point, you're going to have to actually pick up that paper and read it and begin to form your opinion on it. Now, there are many different ways to do this. As I said, most papers come as a PDF. So usually I like to do this with a printed copy um, and make actual kind of handwritten notes on it. That's just something I like but of course you can use word commenting um, word tracked changes all those kinds of things to track whether uh, your comments and kind of what you're 
what you're thinking. Um, so I think the key thing with this first read, and I think it's good to have a kind of two-read approach. And with this first read, I think what you really want to be looking at and, and asking yourself is when you're reading this paper, um, what is the main question or problem that's being addressed by this research, right? What, what are they, is it clear what they're trying to accomplish? You know, can you say that in a sentence, right? And usually that's a case of reviewing the aim of the paper, right? And uh, you know, ask yourself the question, does this sound relevant to me? Does it sound interesting? Um, and of course, things like how original is the topic, right? So w w what is this paper like compared to what's already been published? Are they doing the same thing? Are they doing something slightly different? Remember, it doesn't need to you know, reinvent the wheel and come up with something drastically original, but it needs to be a new contribution right, or a new context or a new method. Um, so ask yourself these questions. Of course, is the paper well written, right? Is the text clear and easy to read? Um, are the conclusions at the end consistent with the sort of evidence from the from the experiment or whatever they've done? Is, is it consistent with the rest of the paper, right? And, and do they, of course, bring the paper round full circle? And I think this is often a very very easy thing to spot in papers is the aim that they set out to do that main question that they set out to address do they actually address it at mm. the end right and this is something that often can be missed and you know i'll put my hand up and say that in many papers that i've written by the time you get to the end sometimes you just you just forget to bring it back around. So that's another key thing. Um, and of course, with this first read, look at the tables and figures. Are they actually useful or are they not really adding much? Um, so these are kind of the kind of main conceptual parts of the paper. And of course, you know, you might also need to keep an eye out for any kind of really major problems. Now, in my experience, and I think yours as well, Julia, but correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, um, for me, this has been quite rare that I've spotted like a really major problem mm. with a paper. Yeah, although I think that is something that's being criticized peer review sometimes that some things get published and then only mm. later they find out actually um, there there were some mistakes in the methods or in the uh, in the analysis. Um, so I think yeah, you have to watch out for it, of course. Or just I think if you're unsure whether it's correct or not, just ask more questions that will help you mm. um, to find out whether you understood correctly what they wanted um, to achieve. Or yeah. I think yeah, just like sometimes if you're not sure, not don't be rude and say like oh I think this is wrong, but just get more clarification for things that you think are not really, yeah, not really obvious. That's right. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. If you're not sure, just ask the question in your uh, in your mm -hmm. comments. And so, for example, you know, are the methods that the paper's using, are they are they good? Right. Or are they discredited? Uh, is there sort of a clear new bit of knowledge which they've just ignored? Um, and if it's a particular lab process, have they ignored something which is super important mm. in this particular experiment um is there enough data really to mm. justify what they're saying um so with all these kind of things i think at this point after your first read you kind of need to think all right what's 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 the state of this paper mm. right has it has it gone past this straight rejection phase now again for me i've never peer-reviewed a paper mm. which was a straight rejection i did it once because oh, yeah? The, <laughs> okay yes okay. Uh, that was because you could clearly see that um the paper was it was just a copy of a thesis um chapter and the person had even put in the acknowledgements like or the um yeah for the family and all that was in the acknowledgements you could see it was straight up just copied from the thesis and it was far too long it was not at all in the format that the mm. journal wanted it to be yeah. so i said sorry that that's too much work i can't like look through all that um 
but yeah i just let the editor know and then um <laughs> they advised to like resubmit that yeah um in the right format yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good example, right, um, of when you might need to do a straight rejection. But um, And I think in, but in most cases, unless there are sort of huge flaws, as kind of Julia pointed out some examples in, in the fundamental work, um, then most things, I think, are a case of helping the authors yeah. with constructive comments, right? And this is where your second read comes in. So once you've decided, okay, it's 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 good enough and to not just be straight rejected um you then go on to a second read and i think in this case you know at this point you you've kind of got a good idea of the aims you've got a good idea of what they're achieving and kind of what they're aiming to do um and this is where you need to focus on potentially some of the more um i think minor might be the wrong word but kind of the kind of more specific more mm-hmm. uh in detail problems right um on how the thing could be improved now language is often like grammar and things is often something that is i think i read something and it's like 80 percent of papers that are submitted have quite a lot of grammatical errors and mm. i've you know um i've had many many grammatical errors in my papers because at some point you just don't really notice them when you've been working on something for so mm. long um now my take on this julia is and i don't know if you're if you differ on this but i think with grammar i think i think point out errors where it it sort of affects whether you can understand a particular sentence right so if you if you just can't understand what a sentence is saying because of grammar then Mm -hmm. i point it out Um, but i personally think it's not the job of the peer review to go through and correct all the grammar i think Mm -hmm. if you see that there are quite a few grammatical errors point out one or two but have that general comment at the start saying you know i Mm-hmm. I've spotted a number of grammatical errors. Please, can this be corrected? Would, would you? Agree yeah, with that? I think I do it the same. I think if there's a lot, really a lot, then I have a general comment yeah. that it needs to be reviewed. And as you said, I give some example um, to yeah show that I actually read it and um, found some mistakes. Um, but if it's a thing, just one or two that I notice, then I just write them out and um, yeah hope that they address it because yeah it can happen to everyone and i think you have to appreciate that not everybody is um a native speaker yeah. often the journals want english publications and so i think yeah just um if it's if the content is still very good then i try not that to affect um um, my judgment of the quality of the work that's yeah. right yeah and i think again you know you as a peer reviewer i think that the focus should be on what's the content like mm. and if there are grammatical errors then then point them out and mm. kind of highlight that but don't that shouldn't be the only focus and on, i on also review. sometimes to the editor will say that i'm not a native speaker myself um but i spotted a few mistakes or the other way around i'm not a native speaker but in my opinion i did not i couldn't spot any mm. grammar mistakes um so just yeah be upfront again yeah, i think uh, the theme of this is generally to just be honest and constructive, right? Uh, so let's give you some examples of some minor problems that you might pick up on or kind of de- in detail problems that you might pick up on your second read. So, for example, look at the title, right? Does the title of the paper properly reflect the subject of, of the paper? Um, the abstract is often a place where uh, there's there's a lot of room for improvement. So in your opinion, does that provide an accessible summary of the paper, right? And remember, the abstract needs to be really easily readable and, and give kind of all of the key elements of the paper in a short period of time. And that's a difficult thing to do. And usually there's, there's things that you can comment on that. Um, a bit more of a kind of... Um, how you'd call like SEO kind of thing is do mm. the keywords that they've given do they accurately reflect the content right that's something that's often 
certainly for me, keywords are like the last thing I think of when I submit a paper. So um, certainly it helps if a second pair of eyes has a look at those keywords and, and kind of um, gives some comments on that. Um, is the paper good length? Are the key messages short? Is, is it accurate? Is it clear? I think these are the kind of things that you pick up on the second read. And of course, depending on your specific field, um, you know, you might be really focused in on the method, you know, how did they do their interview study or lab experiment? And I think all of the episodes that we've released in this podcast so far should help you kind of begin to think critically about how something has been done and, and ask the right questions. And I think that's the, the key thing. Um, and I think by the time you get to that secondary, you can then uh, structure your comments back to the editor so you can kind of structure it exactly like that. So you can have your kind of major comments, right, major changes, and then you can have your minor changes. And again, look, if your opinion changes, you know, after the second read and you think, oh, actually, this is, there are some really big problems here and I, I you know, I actually can't really recommend this going to be published. It's fine to change your mind, right? You, you haven't sent anything in at that point. Uh, you can be flexible and I think keep an open mind. You might be on the first read, be quite negative about a paper and then actually later on think, oh, actually, this is better than I thought. And, and that's happened to me uh, plenty mm -hmm. of times. Um, so hopefully that's given you a good sort of overview of kind of the whole peer review process. I guess the last kind of thing to sort of um, address and actually before we move off that point is I think it might be worth uh, perhaps sharing a kind of structured document. So uh, of course we can't share an actual peer review but we can give you an example and I think we'll upload that in the show notes uh, to show, show you how you could structure if your journal paper doesn't have one of these pre-structured websites. Mm -hmm. Just um, one uh, last thing that came to yeah. my mind right now is that sometimes um, that it might be that if you read the introduction on the discuss discussion and you have maybe recently published uh, a paper in your field, oh, yeah. you might yeah. be able to sneak in your reference. No, <laughs> no and I'm not, no, I mean, like if, if you really think that um, um, having a citation of your paper adds value to the paper that you're reviewing, then I think it's um, fair to say, oh, by the way, did you know we did the study recently and published it? I think it fits in really well. But don't just, of course, um, I think everybody hates it if yeah. um, some peer reviewers just like give you a list of their own <laughs> Yeah, um, it, I've had it that papers. like in, a, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, if you yeah. see that benefit, if you've done something yeah. that genuinely could improve the paper yeah. with a reference, then by all means pointed out. I think yeah. that's completely fair. Of course, you might need to sort of bear in mind the kind of whether it's a double blind or blind peer review because that could reveal, reveal, your, reveal identity. your identity. Or, or yeah, um, I mean, you can just say like, oh, there was this study recently yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, um, this really yeah. good study is recently done. Um, <laughs> no, but, but I think it's important to be maybe the author was not aware of it. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes I actually haven't like, I think, suggested my own work, but I have sometimes suggested other people's work where I thought it was a really good fit. And I just randomly read that another day and yeah. just suggested um, it. And yeah, they can then decide whether to put it in or not. But yeah, that's right. just to mention that. That's right. And uh, yeah, it's I think that's if it's if it's constructive and it's fair, then, you know, by all means, I think it's I think it's all right. Um <laughs> So I guess the last question is um, how often to do this process, right? Now, of course, that might depend on how many times you get invites. And um, for me personally, at this stage in my career, I don't get peer review invites that frequently. I think it's about once every month-ish or once every two months. 
so it's not super super regular but i know certainly supervisors and and, and certainly as you um, grow in your career and, and you develop and you start doing more of this stuff you might get more and more requests so julia mm. what, what would you say to a student who you know might be getting multiple requests and and mm. how, how do they how many times should they do peer review i think it's just important to like of course prioritize your own work yes that's of especially if you're doing your phd of course that comes first and i think um what can help you decide is just to um always um write note down how much time you spend on a peer review so that you don't get completely lost in it or if it takes you four hours <laughs> or whatever then yeah. um you have to like account for that in your um and in during your week so i think yeah just take a note of that um and i think one of the other important things to decide whether or not to um, review is to um, be fast with your decision. Because I think um, there's nothing worse for a journal than if you just like um, say you're going to review it and then you don't do it for a long time because then the author is just waiting to hear back. And um, yeah, I think just make your decision whether or not to read quite quickly so that they can find someone else. Um, and yeah, just be realistic with your time management. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's the key thing. And um, so hopefully that's given you a good overview of peer review. Julia, are there any kind of last points that you want to mention um, as we as we wrap this up? Um, yeah, of course, sometimes you can collect points, I think, for peer review. Maybe also oh, yeah, important to course, mention yeah. that. Um, so that means that sometimes you can get a discount when you publish yourself in that journal. Yeah. So thank you, basically, for doing peer review work. So might that might be interesting for some listeners yeah. yeah yeah and i think you know in the end sometimes you get uh, nice comments from authors back um if you've done a good peer yeah review they, and, they uh, thank you for your comments and um yeah. felt it improved their work that's i think the moment where you are relieved that it actually that's did right yeah good. and of course you know you know this will be a first review and chances are you'll give some corrections and then that process will you know they'll come back to you with a revised paper um, and then you just go through the same process again um, but in that second read or that second time you're reviewing it of course you'll have a more focused understanding of the paper um, and of course yeah as you say julia sometimes you get nice comments and you can see the work has improved and i guess in the end that's the whole goal of peer review it's kind of academics helping each other and kind of promoting better work overall oh that's a nice ending it's, for that. it's quite nice <laughs> um, so hopefully yes that's given you a good useful peer, uh, overview of peer review and uh, why you should do it and exactly what is involved if you choose to get involved Well, thank you again for listening to another episode of How to PhD. Hopefully, as always, you found this episode useful. And if you think you know of someone who you think could benefit from this episode as well, then please do share this with them. Uh, and of course, if you enjoy listening to How to PhD and you'd like to support us, you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting our website at howtophd.show and leaving a small donation through Buy Me a Coffee. Um, we saw some new donations and some new reviews coming in from people uh, from around the world, which is it, it means so much to us when we read these things. So it's really, really wonderful. And of course, everyone who's donated as well through Buy Me A Coffee, we know times are really difficult right now. So the fact that people are supporting the show is really means means so much to us. Uh, and it really helps us uh, produce the show and, and manage all the costs, um, which is really great. 
We love to hear from you, so do get in touch. Email is contact at howtophd.show. Our Twitter and Instagram, which currently are a little bit quieter than usual as we kind of get back up to speed, but I promise we will be posting more content on there in the coming weeks. Uh, and that is both at howtophdshow. And of course, thank you to jobs.ac.uk for continuing to promote the show and for uh, uh, letting their followers know about this show. So, Julia, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about another specific type of methodology. And this is one that I kind of only learned because of you. And I think actually it has applications for pretty much anyone who's doing a PhD. Yeah, so next time we're going to talk about systematic reviews, um, a topic that I like quite a lot. Where I do like doing systematic reviews. I've done quite a few now and um, hopefully we can share some good tips on how to do them and what they actually are as well yeah it's a very useful method and uh, so stay tuned for next week it's going to be uh, a really interesting one so uh, take care and we will see you all next time <laughs>